0: in your pew bible if you would like to follow along as we read together but first let us seek god's guidance and illumination as we pray together heavenly father as we approach this ancient psalm of praise be with us that we might praise you through it and also learn more about you in the name of christ we ask it amen Again, Psalm 150, page 668 in the Pew Bible. Listen now, intently to the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen.
1: Thank you, Paul. That's the way the... The Psalms end with the celebration of praise. God has been so faithful, and there are so many different ways to praise God. You praise Him with the harp and the lyre, which are quiet, more quiet instruments. Then you praise Him with the cymbal and the tambourine, and that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that we actually have three styles of, of worship music here at First Pres. We've got the gospel service, and of course, then we've got a traditional service at eleven with choir and organ, and then we've got a contemporary service downstairs at eleven oh five. Different ways to praise God, giving God all the glory and the praise. Let every breath that ha- that everything that has breath uh, praise the Lord. Well, if you've been with us uh, the last few weeks, you know that we've been taking a journey through the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey. And so we're going to see how that journey ends. As we go to the last few verses of Acts chapter 14, I would invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to Acts chapter 14, beginning with verse 24. It may be found on page 1175 of your red pew Bible. Acts chapter 14, beginning with verse 24. But Before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and, and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much that you inspired Luke to put pen to paper, to give an orderly account of Paul's first missionary journey with Barnabas as they made disciples throughout areas of the Mediterranean. God, we thank you for the way that you guided them. We pray that by your spirit you would guide us this morning as well, Lord. Guide us, lead us, that as we read your word, we might hear from you that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, "Amen." Amen. Acts chapter 14, beginning with verse 24. Listen to the word of the Lord. Then they, Paul and Barnabas, passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went to Atalia. And from there, they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. Here ends the reading of God's word. As the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, well, it ends like most trips do. They go home. But notice what they do when they get home to Antioch. We read in verse 27, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Notice that Luke writes that the, all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas don't talk about what they did on the mission trip. They, no, they talk about what God did because they recognize that everything has happened by, by work of God's amazing grace. As you read in verse 26, they, um, and from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. I like the way Eugene Peterson in his English uh, translation paraphrase of the Bible, the message translates verse 26. He says this, finally they made it to Italia and caught a ship back to Antioch where it had all started, launched by God's grace and now safely home by God's grace. Paul and Barnabas knew that their missionary was was filled with God's grace. They were called by God's grace. They were guided by God's grace. They were successful by God's grace. You know, as Presbyterians, uh, grace is a big word for us. Of course, October 31st was, was Reformation Day. I know most people thought it was Halloween, but actually it was Reformation Day. We celebrated 500 years of the Protestant Reformation where where Martin Luther put the 95 Thesis on the, the door of the church in Wittenberg and, and ultimately launched the Protestant Reformation as we, as we got back to the, to the truth of Scripture, to the gospel of grace, that we're saved by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, and, and Scripture alone is our authority and faith in life as we seek to bring glory to God alone. Yes, grace is a big word for us. And, and specifically, grace means God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve the blessings of God we don't deserve the love of God. We don't deserve the salvation of God. But God gives it to us freely as a gift. God's grace helps us see that God loves us because he loves us. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. For God has shown us the full extent of his love. That while we were all sinners, rebellious, broken people who are who prone to wander from God, God doesn't abandon us in our sin. He becomes one of us. His son Jesus, and pays the price for our sins with his death on a cross. There is no greater love than this, than a man who's willing to die for his friends, Jesus says. That is God's grace, God's unmerited favor. And as Paul and Barnabas reflect on their missionary journey, they, they celebrate God's grace. They could see that it was filled with God's grace, God's provision, God's favor. But as we know from the last few weeks, as we've been reading through the first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul and, and Barnabas, we know that their journey wasn't easy, was it? It wasn't all roses and rainbows, was it? No, it, it was hard. As you remember in Antioch of Pisidia, when they get there and begin to preach the gospel, by God's grace, many Jews and Gentiles come to faith in Christ. But then there are some Jews who become jealous. They begin to persecute Paul and Barnabas, and, and they're driven out of the, of the community. And so they go to Iconium, and once again, they go to the synagogue, and they begin to preach the gospel of grace, and and many Jews and Gentiles come to faith, but then there are some other Jews who don't like what they're hearing, and they they rally, and they begin to make plans to stone Paul and Barnabas, and so Paul and Barnabas have to flee to Lystra. And once again, uh, Paul uh, gets there, and and it's amazing, He, he heals a man who was born uh, lame at birth, and immediately man begins to walk, and the people try to offer Paul and Barnabas a sacrifice, thinking that they are now Zeus and Hermes, and, and of course they say, no, no, that's not who we are, and they begin to, to tell them the good news about the one true God. But before they can even get to Jesus, Jews from, from Iconium and, and Antioch and Pisidia show up, and, and well, they stone Paul, but then things fall apart. Yes, as we read through the story of of Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey, it always begins well, but then there's someone who tries to thwart what they're doing. But then, but then, but then, there can be a lot of but thens in our lives, can't there? Everything seems to be going great, then there's the accident. Everything seems fine, but then the breakup happens. Everything seems to be working well, but then the layoff occurs. Everything seems to be going good, but then the dreaded diagnosis is given. If we live long enough in this life, we're going to face some butt-thens. The unexpected tribulation, the unexpected trial, the unexpected tragedy. When Paul and Barnabas told the story of their first missionary journey, do you think they focused on the butt thens? Do you think they, they focused on the disappointments and the rejection? And did they focus on the persecution? Or did they focus on the triumphs? The miracles? and the souls that were brought to the Lord. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. My friends, Paul and Barnabas, didn't focus on the disappointments or the stoning or the persecution. No, they focused on the triumphs, all that God had done. People had been brought to the Lord because of their work. Where does our focus tend to lie? When things aren't going our way, where do we tend to turn our eyes and our focus? Are we focused on the tribulations? Are we focused on God's faithfulness and the triumphs? Did you know that celebration is actually a spiritual discipline? Richard Foster in his Christian classic Celebration of Discipline writes this about celebration. When we determine to dwell on the good and excellent things in life, We'll be so full of those things that they will tend to swallow our problems. The decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. Many of us don't naturally turn to the the higher things. We we have to focus our minds on the higher things. In fact, Paul, you'll see as you read through the Apostle Paul's letters, and Paul, who, who was persecuted many times, would encourage churches who were being persecuted. With the command to rejoice. He would tell them to rejoice. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, he tells the Thessalonicans, while they're being persecuted, to rejoice. In, in Philippians chapter 4, he tells the Philippians who are being persecuted, while he himself is in prison, he tells them to rejoice. Again, I will say, rejoice. As Paul tells these people to rejoice. In fact, the, the Greek word for rejoice is Kairos, Cairo. It's an imperative, it's a command, not a suggestion. Rejoice always, Paul tells the Thessalonians. Rejoice in the Lord again, I will say. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, Paul writes these final words to the the Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How is it possible to rejoice always? By praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances turning our minds and hearts to God, who is always faithful, even in the midst of the trials and the tribulations. As Paul writes to the church in Philippi, Philippians chapter four, while Paul himself is in prison, he says in Philippians chapter four, four to eight, rejoice the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, These aren't just prayers of help, but prayers of thanking God for his faithfulness. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Is there anything more true, more honorable, more just, more worthy of our praise than the unconditional love of Jesus Christ? When things aren't going our way, we need to stop. We need to pray. We need to thank God for Jesus. We need to thank God for the salvation that Jesus came to bring to all of us who believe. We we need to thank God for the unconditional love that God demonstrates us that that while we're sinners, Jesus died for us, paying the price for our sins with his death on a cross. We need to thank God that nothing, not even death itself, can separate us from the love of God, the eternal love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's true that Paul experienced rejection, persecution, and even a stoning on his first missionary journey. But when Paul was giving his report about what happened, he focused on on the good, on what God had done, on the Gentiles who had come to faith, not on the rejection or the persecution or the stoning, but on the reception that the Gentiles had to the gospel. That's what he was celebrating, God's faithfulness, even in the midst of the trials, even in the midst of the tribulations, how God was glorified in all of it. When things don't go our way, where does our focus tend to be? At the end of the day, do we focus on the disappointments? Or do we focus on the many blessings of God? Do we focus on the negative or the positive? Do we dwell on the good or the bad? We can see in Acts chapter 14, verse 27, Paul and Barnabas, they focused on the good, on God's saving work. And I believe we should as well. On this Commitment Sunday, You know we, we recognize and celebrate all that God has done in 2017, and as we look ahead to what God might do in 2018, hopefully you've had a chance to go through this Celebrate magazine that was either mailed out to you or you were able to pick it up in the Great Hall, and we have some extra copies also still in the, the hallways if you need to pick one up, but it, it highlights many of the great things that God has done, and of course we can't tell every story of, of what God has done, the magazine would be too big, it, it would be a book, but we celebrate just to highlight a few things, and if you... If you turn to page 16 of this wonderful magazine, you see that there's a highlight, some statistics about our kids' ministry and how God is, is growing our children's ministry and how children are coming to faith in Christ. Did you know that as you read through this, you can see that 50% of the children who came to our vacation Bible school the first week of June do not go to our church? 50%. That lets us know that, that our church has become, our vacation Bible school has become known in Emerald as a great place to learn about Jesus where children are loved and nurtured. Yes, through Debbie Lauer and Michael Ann Bell and Heidi Corona and our kids' ministry team, we are making disciples of our young people. And it doesn't just happen on vacation Bible school, it happens every week. In fact, just a few weeks ago, there was a special Sunday school class that happened uh, for the children who were in kindergarten and and, in first grade, and the idea was we're gonna spend time with these kids and their parents to talk about what it means to worship God in big church so they can know how to worship God together. As a part of their time and explanation, Debbie had the children have a moment of silence so they could just listen to God and reflect on who God is. And then she asked them if they might share who God is to them. And so one child said, God is strong. Another child said, He is awesome. He is creative. He is with me. Out of the mouth of babes, God has ordained praise, the scriptures tell us. As Michael Ann Bell heard these things, she said it was a confirmation to her That God's word is going out and building truth into our children's lives, even at such a young age. Let the little children come unto me, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Unless we become like children, Jesus tells us that we will never enter the kingdom of God. We have to humble ourselves. We can learn from our children as they freely worship God from a pure heart. We can learn from them and they can learn from us. That's why we're an intergenerational church where we welcome children into our worship so we can worship God together. We can train them in what it means to worship God and we can regain that childlike faith as we watch them worship God together. If you keep reading through the magazine, you'll see that on page 17, there's some great statistics about our our youth ministry. God is doing an, an amazing work in our youth ministry right now. I don't know if you know, but did you know that on any average Wednesday night, we have 70 youth in our a o house, 70. And now, if you've been in the a house lately, it's, it's kind of an old house. Uh, if you want to brave it, you can go inside. Uh, but you, if you go inside there, I don't know how 70 youth can fit in that first floor room. It's really not that big. And you know, the children continue to come, youth continue to come, and, and lives are being changed. They're not just youth from our church, they're youth from, from the community. In fact, Anna McKay uh, tells the story about a young girl who started coming to our church, uh, not because her parents go to church here, in fact, her parents don't go to church anywhere, but she had some friends from middle school, and so she started going to AO Middle School just with her friends who were members of our church. And now she's in high school, and she's continuing to go on, on uh, Wednesday nights to the high school group. And she confessed to Anna McKay one night as Anna was giving her a ride home. She says, you know, I'm not a Christian, but what I feel at a and I've never felt before. What I feel at a and I have never felt before. Anna continued to pray for this girl and to encourage her with the word of God to let her know that feeling, that's God's love. It's, It's the unconditional, sacrificial love of Jesus. And this last Wednesday, as she drove her home, Anna tells this story. I drove her home, and when she was telling me about all about all I'm sorry I drove her home and as she was telling me all about how the night went in her notes the past couple of weeks she was writing believe with a question mark and last night she wrote believe with a period she told me that she believes that, that God is real and she wanted to have a, a relationship with him. She wanted to accept God into her life. She, she understands that she's a sinner who cannot do life on her own. She needs Jesus. And she had confessed this to Anna, she was so excited. And to make sure she didn't get in a wreck, Anna pulled over the side and, <laughs> and prayed with the girl right there in the car to, to accept Christ. Eternities are being forever changed through the youth ministries of our church. Thanks be to God for the way God is working through the, the youth ministry, through the youth committee and through Kim Talley and Anna McKay and Jake Schroeder. God is using them to help make disciples of the next generation, the kingdom of Christ. If you keep looking through our magazine, there are some more statistics. You move from high school to our, well, our gap group. It's our young singles, college and adult group, but kind of the young uh, millennial crowd in our church today. And many churches today are struggling to attract young millennials to get them to come to church. Millennials don't see the, the need to, to worship God. It's a very, um, I would say, um, faithless generation in many ways because they've, well, they've come from a lot of brokenness and they don't understand the need for God. But, 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 but through Kim Talley's uh, leadership and, and, and Dick Doyle and, and lay leaders like Matt and Sarah Klein, we, we've been able to, to get some young people to come and be a part of what God is doing here and it's just been great. And many of the people that are part of this Gap group, this and Gap stands for Grace Always Prevails. Well, they're de-church people. They're kids who grew up in Amarillo, but man, they got burned by the church somewhere along the way. Or there are people who who are never in the church. Some of them are actually graduates from the children's home who are now adults living independently, but they know that there's something special about First Pres, and so they come and they bring their friends, and and lives are being forever changed. In fact, they're not here this weekend because they're at El Porvenir having a retreat. Where Kim Talley is going to baptize two young women in their pond there. It's really cold. I've been there. It's <laughs> gonna be harsh. But they're gonna baptize. It's gonna be a wake-up call, I tell you. They're gonna like, I'm for Jesus now. I know, I have been baptized in the waters, so I have been cleansed. But he's baptizing these two young women who who didn't grow up in the church, who never confessed that Jesus Christ was Lord until they came to our church, became a part of the gap group. God is changing lives for eternity that the ministries of our church. My friends, today we have so much to celebrate. I know God looks at first presence and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been a faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share the joy of your master's happiness. Speaking of celebration, there's so much to celebrate specifically through the, the ministry and the leadership of Orlando Lopez. Uh, if you read the article, there's, there's a great article and piece about how he's been volunteering with Young Life and helping bring uh, a lot of young uh, uh, folks to, to Christ through a ministry of Young Life. He's been leading a Young Life chapter at Caprock High School that previously did not have a chapter. And now partnering with Young Life, we're He's able to take these kids to camp, and kids are coming to faith to Christ in the first time. So I'm going to have Orlando share with us just a little bit of what what God's been doing, not not just through young life, but really I want to start with something that God did through the men's retreat most recently. Uh, This fall we had a men's retreat, and well, the Holy Spirit showed up. So Orlando, if you could just share a little bit of what you saw God do on the men's retreat just a few weeks ago. We'd love to hear that.
2: It was an amazing time. We had 32 men uh, show up uh, for the weekend. And it's one of those things when you get there on Friday, you're rushing because you've had a long day, you've traveled, you're tired, you're ready to get to bed. On Saturday, some people are rushing to get to uh, golf times or the different activities. But on Saturday night, Murray said, You know what, Orlando? We don't have anywhere to go. We don't have to rush anything. After the session, why don't you go ahead and uh, lead us in a time of prayer? I said, Sure, Murray. So I. I just invited those men into a, a space of vulnerability. I said, look, guys, we don't have anywhere to go. We don't have anything to do. We don't have to rush to anything. Why don't we just spend some time praying for each other? I said, and this is a safe place. If you, wanna, if you need prayer about any of the things that we've talked about, uh, you know, about a struggle with power or money or sex, Or maybe it's just that your brother-in-law lives with you until he gets a job and you're just praying that he gets a job. (laughs) We will pray for you, whatever it is. And in that moment, men allowed themselves to be vulnerable and say, I'm struggling with this. I'm having a problem here. Of all ages, from our youngest all the way through. And the men around them, this is what was most amazing about that. It wasn't me doing the work of ministry and praying for them or Murray or Kim. It was the men around them that laid hands on them and lifted them up to the Lord in prayer. We prayed for an hour and a half that evening as men just poured out their hearts. And one of the most amazing products of that isn't just that vulnerability and that connection that that vulnerability creates. It was the fact that after that, some of our adult men approached some of our young men and said, you know what, I've walked through those same struggles. Mm-hmm. Why don't we connect on a regular basis mm-hmm. so that you know you don't ever have to walk alone through any of them?" Mm-hmm. And that's what God does.
1: Amen. You know, James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his epistle, James chapter 5, verse 16, to confess your sins to one another. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That happened at the men's retreat. As men confessed and older men came alongside these younger men and said, hey, I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. I'll encourage you. Praise God. Well, not only has uh, God did a great work uh, through the men's retreat, but as I alluded to just a moment ago, and the article mentions as well, uh, Young Life, and, and you're about to begin a new chapter with Young Life. Can you just give us a little bit of the history there and tell us what God's doing through your partnership with Young Life?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh- and this is for me an amazing story of who First Pres is. I got here six years ago and I didn't realize I was in seminary. We we're going through one of my counseling classes talking about burnout and listing all the burnout um, symptoms. And I looked through them and I thought, when I got to First Pres, I was on the verge of burnout and I didn't even know it. And God brought me here and did a work of healing in my heart and in my family. And, uh, you know, sometimes you think, oh, the Lord's taking me to First Pres to do the work of ministry and be a blessing to First Pres." But I think in this instance, it was backwards. I think he did that to be a blessing to me and heal my heart so that I could be prepared for the next phase of my ministry. So it's kind of a bittersweet uh, announcement, but uh, Young Life has offered and I have accepted a full-time position on Young Life staff. Someone asked me, does that mean you're leaving First Pres? And my answer was, absolutely not. This is my home church, not because I work here, but because this church is invested in my life. And so as of December the 31st, I roll off of staff here at First Pres, and I roll on to full-time Young Life staff. Primarily leading the Cap rock portion of young life and I just want you to know everything that goes on at Cap Rock has first president' fingerprints all over.
1: praise God amen hallelujah uh, yeah let's stop to that praise God Well as you know, as we read the Bible, and of course, sola scriptura, we come out of the Reformation, we want to do everything according to God's word, and so as we read the Bible, we see that before Paul and Barnabas went on their missionary trip, you know, the elders of the church in Antioch laid hands on them and prayed for him, so prayed for them, and so we're, we're going to ask, I'm going to invite every elder to come forward, we're going to lay hands on Orlando, pray for him, we're going to commission him to go out as a, as a missionary uh, to Caprock High School as a part of Young Life Ministry. So elders, come on forward, and we're going we're gonna to pray for Orlando. If you can't put your hand on Orlando, put your hand on someone who's close to, whose hand uh, is touching his. We'll have a little chain here of of hands. Great cloud of witnesses, Orlando, coming forward for you, brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for our brother Orlando and what a blessing he has been and continues to be to all of us. God, we thank you for the gifts of teaching that you've given to him and the gifts of leadership and evangelism, God, and how you have used him to encourage all of us in our faith, whether it be through a Sunday school lesson or a sermon or just simply in fellowship, God. Uh, We thank you for the Wednesday night classes he's taught as well. And just thank you, Lord, for his leadership, God. And we just pray that by your spirit... You would continue to do a mighty work in and through him. Lord, we thank you for his wife, Dina. Lord, we pray your blessing upon their marriage. We thank you for the witness they are of your unconditional love as they love each other and love us. We thank you for their three children. Continue to bless them. We pray for, think of Gabriel right now who's got a, a knee injury. God, I pray that your healing hand would be upon him. Lord, I pray for wisdom for Orlando. I pray that you'd give him the wisdom of Solomon as he begins to, and continues to do the work of making disciples at Caprock High School. Uh, uh, the fastest growing demographic in our community is young Hispanics, and so we want to reach that community with the love of Christ, and thank you for the way Orlando has already done that. Lord, by your spirit, you have led him to, to bring many uh, young Hispanics to Christ. God, they have come to you and know you, and now they're a part of Young Life, and how the chapter of Young Life is becoming more multi-ethnic, as our, as our city becomes more multi-ethnic. God, we praise you for that. For the body of Christ, we thank you that you've called us to make disciples of all nations, of all people, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ alone is Lord. So God, we thank you for Orlando. We thank you for his season with us. And we know it's not ending. We know we'll still have him as a part of our church, Lord, but no longer full-time staff with us, but he'll be a part of what you're doing at Young Life. And so we pray for the leadership of Young Life, Lord. We know that they're in transition with some of their leaders. God, we pray that you would guide them, help them to find just the right area director as well, and uh, that you would continue to guide Orlando, Lord, as he seeks to serve you, as he seeks to be a light of your love, as he seeks to point young people to the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Bless them this day and every day. In your son's name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Okay, don't leave, please, uh, elders. So uh, real quick, uh, there's a team of us that are about to go to uh, Houston on a mission trip, and I'm one of those people. So Orlando, I just prayed for you. If you could pray for us and commission us, that would be great. I scratched your back, you scratch ours, right? So so Murray and I are leading the team, and so... If you're going to Houston, come up. Yeah, if you're on the Houston trip, please come forward. We're going to have our elders... Uh, lay hands. Orlando's going to lead us in the prayer for all of us heading to Houston to help rebuild uh, some homes there after Hurricane Harvey, so thank you guys. Hey, Cal, come on. Uh, Gary and uh, here's Mark and Cal. aren't here, but we're going to have a suburban load of people, so it be great. Cal, we're here, we're
0: here. <laughs> all right. We need him. <laughs> Hello, Cal.
2: Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for what you're doing through this church. And we get to hear these amazing stories that we get to celebrate of how, through this church, you have touched lives. And so today, what we want to do is we want to commission these men that are going to Houston to work uh, in hurricane relief. Mm -hmm. And we just ask that you would do it all one more time. Mm -hmm. That you would use these men to touch lives, to make an impact, not for First Presence's sake, but make an impact for the kingdom, for the honor and glory of God alone. Lord, our prayer is that you would give them the strength to do the work that's ahead of them. You would give them the knowledge and the wisdom on how to do it. Uh, Perhaps there's some going who've not done the work before, but I just pray that they would be quick studies and that they would learn. And I ask that at the end of the day, as they've given up their energy, that their rest would be renewing and refreshing so that they could wake up the next morning and continue the work of ministry, continue being your hands and your feet to a city who desperately needs the love of Christ right now. Mm -hmm. We ask that you'd watch over them in every moment and keep them all safe for your honor and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray.